0: Hallelujah. Well, is anyone excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Has God been good to you? Amen. You all are looking wonderful on today. I have the awesome opportunity and the privilege to bring the word of God this morning. Of course, giving honor to God. But I also want to give honor to the under shepherds of this house. Pastor Joel and Pastor Trish. Pastor Trish is here today. Can y'all give it up? them. God bless you. We love you. And uh, also the lovely Ashley. My wife is here today as well. Amen. We do not have any children yet, but we enjoy practicing. Amen. Amen. Glory. (laughs) Now, but I have the awesome opportunity to bring the word to you today. And when I received the uh, message that I would be up this morning, uh, the Lord immediately dropped into my heart a message that I've lived my entire adult life, but have never had the opportunity to share in a preaching or congregational setting. And the significance about this message is every time these words and the title of my message comes out of my mouth, something supernatural happens. Something shifts. I can't explain it. As I was getting ready this morning, I thought about where God has brought me from in these 12 years of being in full time ministry. And I remember it all started with this phrase and all I had was a briefcase. My entire life was in a briefcase. Everything that I owned, everything that belonged to me was in this briefcase. It was it was it was baby blue. I kind of like blue, you know, but I don't know, thug life, I guess. And it was a rolling book, a rolling luggage and everything I owned was in there. And where God has taken me as a result, being able to minister in different places throughout the country and even throughout the world. Being able to see countless lives changed and ultimately discovering my purpose, walking into what God has for me, it all started with this phrase. Growing up, I had an excellent youth pastor, shameless plug, Pastor Gregory, and he taught me that we need to live life on purpose and to not waste anything and be excellent stewards of our life and the gift that God has given us through our life. Every single person that's in here, every single person that is listening, you are alive for a reason. You are alive for a purpose. And even if your parents didn't plan, you, you were a part of God's plan. Amen. Amen. And because we just have a, as the psalmist says, our life is but a vapor, we have to steward our time wisely. We have to be about our father's business. And so at an early age, I made a decision that if if the Lord has a plan for my life, then I don't want to waste time doing anything else because time is not guaranteed. It's gifted. But the myth or life sometimes tells us that we have tomorrow. We can get it done later. That, that wonderful word of procrastination begins to set in, and we say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get these goals together in 2017. 2017, get to, I'm going to get it together after college bowl season. Then, then we say, you know what? First quarter, first quarter. I'm going to go ahead and get these goals together first quarter. When first quarter gets here, when my taxes come. Yep, mm-hmm, yep, when my taxes come. I'm going to go ahead and take care. But we cannot put off tomorrow what God is calling us to do today. And if you would, go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. So as I begin to study, what God is beginning to show me is that his grace, his revelation of his grace is in every book of the Bible. There, There is not one place in scripture that we don't see a manifestation of God's goodness. Grace is not something that we just happen to talk about. It's not a topic. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ in action in all of our lives. And in Isaiah chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled. The temple. Before I keep reading, I want us to use our imagination for a moment and set ourselves inside of this setting. In order to do that, I want to give you some context behind how Isaiah is documenting this. Isaiah was one who had grown up in the, the temple. And when you were trained in the temple, you weren't trained by yourself, but you were trained with others. But in this particular moment that was recorded, Isaiah was by himself where it was just him and God. How many of you know that sometimes in life, the crowds are going to leave and you're going to have to talk to God for yourself? And God is not about grading all of us on a curve. But he's about looking at us and seeing how can this word be fine tuned for your personal life? And so Isaiah was there faced with himself. And I can remember times in my life where I've been faced with myself. Anybody ever just seen yourself? Little side nugget here. You know, the most critical individuals haven't had a reflection of who they are. See, there's there's a myth that when I'm looking at someone, that person is glass and I can see through them. Well, the Bible reveals to us that people are mirrors. We only see ourselves. So what we don't like and can't tolerate in others are the very things we don't necessarily like about our own character. And when we spend time in the word, you can read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. The word is like a mirror showing us not only who we are, but God's grace to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. The goal for the word of God is not to judge you and not to uh, call you this condemned person and to beat you over the head. See, God never told ye to go into all the world and beat people for the gospel's sake. He never said that. He's called us to be ambassadors, not judges. And so when we're able to get that moment where it's just us and God. We're able to have that moment where God can show us who we are because there's a person that we all can see when we're out and interacting with others. But there's a person that don't nobody know about. That that's the person that God wants to talk to. That's the person that God wants to build up. And so Isaiah is having this moment where God is talking to him for who Isaiah is and not for who he's known by, not for his class that he's a part of, not for the other religious folks that he was hanging out with. He said, Isaiah, I want to have time with you. And Isaiah immediately steps into the presence of God now and he sees all that God is. He sees the train, which represents royalty of God. He sees that the smoke filled the temple. The smoke represents God's presence And right now, on the inside of each and every person who has named the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus is sitting on the throne of your life and his glory is on the inside of you waiting for an opportunity to be released, waiting for an opportunity to be shown and displayed. There is more power to you that meets the eye. So you don't have to say, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. God has equipped you with every single thing that you need in this life. And you can't go around in life telling yourself you're not worthy. You can't go around in your life lying to yourself and saying things that God didn't even say about you. You. Oh, snap. They gave me a handheld. I feel like preaching this morning. All I need is my tile and say, watch this, watch this, watch this. But let's go to verse two. Verse two says, above it stood a seraphim, an angel. Each one had six wings. And two, he covered his face. With the two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another. Holy. 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 Holy is the Lord of hosts for his glory fills the entire. Scripture's still true today. even as I say it holy, I sensed in this room a tangible awareness of God's presence in your life. Hallelujah. The glory of God is here in this auditorium today, because you brought your supply with you. And as we all get together, this is the reason why even with the advancement of online churches and with the advancement of technology, the Bible still says forsaking not the assembly of ourselves together. Because when we all get together, there's a tangible awareness of who God is. And this moment in this auditorium, this moment, wherever you are, the glory of God is filling you. So whatever it is that you need, if there's any symptom of sickness and disease in your body, it is gone because of the glory of God that fills this place. Hallelujah. 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 And it's just not talking about physical ailments. It's talking about mental ailments, mind torments. See, Jesus being on the cross was symbolic for the price that he paid for us. And on the cross, his mind was tormented. Can you imagine living an entire life where you're connected to your father? Father. And, and and Jesus, being a true son, he was 100% God. He was 100% man. And one of the, the greatest needs for men, and this is, this is really huge uh, for men that are sitting here who are fathers or who are mentors, men need to be affirmed. Men need to know that. That you're proud of them. Your sons need to hear that you love them. It's nothing soft about telling your son that you love him and that you care about him because the fact is that you do. And, and I understand sometimes it's tough because as leaders, the very thing that people demand from us is the very thing that we need ourselves. But that's why we have to depend on God, who is the sustainer and, and the fulfiller of our life. And, and for the high capacity leaders that are here, oftentimes you're pulled upon every single place that you go. When you go home, you're pulled upon. When you go to work, you're pulled upon. When you volunteer, you're pulled upon. When, you, when you, you're, you're just out, you're pulled upon. And you cannot miss a day where God is replenishing back into you. You are too busy not To pray. Back to Jesus on the cross. So Jesus being on the cross. Had to be separated from his father. For something he did not do. For people who still don't deserve it. Including you and I. But he was willing to go through mental torment. He was willing to feel rejected so that we could be accepted. He was willing to be cast down. He was willing to be beaten. He was willing to be talked about all because of his love for us. And when we realize that, there's nothing, there's nothing that separates you from God when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do so we have a hard time receiving that that God lives on the inside of me? Yes, he does. He does. He said in Hebrews 13, five, I'll never leave you. He didn't even say with conditions. He said, I, I, I never And when you study the Greek, he says, I will not, I will not, I will not, under any circumstance, leave you under any circumstance. At any moment of any day, at any time, I will never leave you helpless or without support so that we can boldly say with all assurance with all confidence that God is on my side and that he is my helper so I will not fear and I will not be afraid God has to have those moments with us where it it goes far beyond scripture It even goes far beyond what I'm telling to you today, but God wants to be so real to you in the secret places of your life that there is no other way for you to acknowledge anything but that God is who he said he was not because of something you read but something that you've seen as the word says you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and that he's good all the time even when people say that he's not good and he's trying to do this and do that Jesus and the Holy Spirit by God's power is the teacher so why would he need Satan's tricks to teach you a lesson he has his spirit that is your standby he has His spirit that is your strengthener. And I don't know about you all, but there have been some times in my life where I didn't know where strength was going to come from. There were times in my life where I didn't want to quote a Bible verse. There were times in my life where I didn't want to say a prayer because I didn't want to talk to him. But all I just realized is that when he was with me, he was there and he says, I've got you. And he carried me every step of the way. We can get so stressed and so religious and so reserved that we squeeze out God trying to work through us. That there's a there's a greater mission than my problems. That life is is more than just me. Life is more than my house. Life is more than my bank account. Life is more than my career. I've been on many jobs, many careers, many organizations, but I've served one God who's never left me at any time. Yeah. Verse four, and the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. See, when you have an image of who God is in your life, doors can't stay shut. Folks have been trying to push doors open. You've been trying to grind hustle. And all God said is just hear my word and speak to that door. He didn't say that the door opened. He said his voice broke the door. All because of getting a word from the throne room. And when he had seen that, and the house was filled with smoke, verse 5, and so Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone. And listen to what Isaiah said about himself. He said, Because I'm an unclean man, or I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is a significant point that we're reading. Because when God shows us his goodness, because of religious conditioning, we start telling God why we don't deserve it. At no time was God saying, Before I show you who I am, I need you to get yourself together. God knows you don't deserve his goodness but it didn't stop him from giving it to you. Did you know the only way to get someone to change is not to nag them? Because your words create an environment where they repeat what you're talking about. Romans 2, 4 said it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. The significance of that scripture tells us that God wants to be so good to you that you feel like it's sin. Oh, y'all, y'all didn't catch that one. God wants to be so good to you that it feel like something wrong with this. There isn't any way that me, no education at all, are, is getting all these promotions. There, there, there's no way for me when I know my financial state, how, how I'm blessed at this particular. There, there, there is no way with me, with my limited experience to have all this wisdom on the job. Something's got to be wrong with this. God wants to be that good to you. He wants to be so good to you that it's beyond anything on your best day you could bring for your life. Because as long as you feel like you've got something to do in that, you'll take credit for it. And if you could take credit for it, God didn't do it. Because at the end of the day, when people, people say, well, how did you do that? It's even going to trip the people out that know you. Like the real you. I'm not talking about the filter Instagram. I'm talking about you. (laughs) And when they see what God is doing in your life. They will give glory to God. Because it's all about pointing back to him. But the reason why I wanted to come from this angle. Is because every single person in here is a leader. Every single person in here, God has given a dream. Every single person, God has given you your next step to take. But oftentimes, what accompanies his word is our excuse. I'll wait. Maybe later. Surely, I caught someone else prayer time this morning. I'll wait for my instructions. No. God wants to be good to you. Because I want us to get out of this religious mindset that says, I need to do something for God. He's been too good for me, for, not, for me not to do something for him. I need us to get out of that mindset. Why? That sounds like work. I want us to change the language just a little bit and say, God's been too good to me, so I'm going to allow him to do things through me. It's not about, Lord, use me. Use me, God. I'm here. Use me. That, that, that sounds like an abusive relationship. <laughs> I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier. Oh, no, you not. See, look, now y'all are not going to act like this suburban Christian. No, I don't. Nope. Come on, put your hands together. Y'all know the song too, so don't I? Don't know what he was talking about. I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. soldier. Here come the ad libs. I'm a soldier. When my lights cut off, I'm a soldier. I ain't got no food. I'm a soldier. Can't nobody stand me. I'm a soldier. Like what is that? And we sing an angry gospel song. So, the prayer is not, Lord, use me, but Lord, make me usable for your service. Which means that you don't have all the answers when you start, but as you take every single step, He'll guide you every step of the way. I ain't even gave my title yet. This is so messed up. So after Isaiah gives his excuses, he says in verse six, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand in a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken taken away and your sin is purged. Symbolism of that coal is the sacrifice in the temple was poured out on top of the coal. And that coal was saturated in the sacrifice that it carried. But just like, I'm I'm an avid, any avid grillers in here? Amen. Hallelujah. I guess they're grilling. (laughs) (laughs) But you all know that when things are put on top of coal, there's an incense, there's a smoke, there's a fragrance that fills the area in which the sacrifice. Some good vegetarian beef ribs, right? (laughs) Right. I'm a little hungry. <laughs> and it was a type and shadow of Jesus being poured out for him. Because the Bible says Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world. So that coal was a coal in heaven of the sacrifice Jesus made for him. Which meant that his taste is now not the taste of his failure. It's not the, the, the taste of his inadequacy. He's now tasting what Jesus has done For him as his once and for all sacrifice. He said no longer will you label yourself by your failures. And I want to speak to you today. No longer will you label yourself by your failures. By your disappointments. I understand there there are people in here who are still condemning themselves. Because of mistakes that were made. Jesus died for your mistakes so you can get better. And the moment that he partook of that sacrifice, it changed his identity. said, your sins have been purged. Verse 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And here it is. Then I said, here I am. Before we're able to be used efficiently for the kingdom of God, we've got to experience God for ourselves. He doesn't want us to just only have these wonderful experiences, services, revivals, camp meetings, tent meetings, just for us to talk about, ooh, wasn't that a good time? But He wants us from these meetings, from these services, to get in a position where we're able to be utilized by the kingdom of God. Right before he said, here I am, send me, the Lord said, who is going to represent us? I want to ask you a question in your life. Who is going to represent the God you serve in your life, for your family, for your household? for your community, for your church family? Who will do that? God has called you. But why would we have this experience that that we've seen by Isaiah? Number one, when God shows us himself and his goodness, he wants to first show us that he's here to strengthen and confirm our faith. No one can take away your experience that you've had with God. Regardless as to what happens, you know God's character. And because you know his character, then you can continue to do what he's asked you to do. Second thing, and the second reason why he revealed himself in that way is because he wants to change our affections from being on things which are temporary and set our mind on eternity. Did you know that this is the only time in all of creation That you and I will have an opportunity to leave a legacy based off of the gift that God has given us. This is the only time in all of history where you will be able to leave your mark. And you will be able to leave a life-giving blessing to others that exists long after you leave from that season in your life. What are you leaving after you're gone? What type of legacy? What will people remember you by? Will they just say this person just came in to just get the bare minimum? Or will they say this person gave their all? Will you be a part of someone's salvation story? Well, when they think about when they came to Jesus, your name comes up every time they share that. All of us here are a benefactor of someone else's obedience ahead of us. I'm standing on this stage not because I'm all this and I'm all that, but it was because the obedience of our pastors to hear the call of God on their life. And so it's our responsibility, I believe, to pay it forward. It's our responsibility, I believe, to leave a mark. And not so that we can be known, but so that God can get the glory from it. We have to go beyond the, the issues and the conflict that separates us as a community, as a church family. There is no more segregated time in America than right now, and we're all supposedly serving the same God. If we drill down even further, we could say that nationally and internationally, but let's just talk about where we live today. In our own community, Backbiting infighting, rivalry, strife, envy, all that tries to focus us on what's temporary. But we will all come and go. What will our eternal scoreboard say? Is it really worth us going to bed with stress is it really worse or worth us having ulcers because of our anger and our hatred? There is nothing anyone has done to you that you haven't done worse to God. And He's forgiven you, past, present, and future. So, if He could have found it in His heart to live 33 years of perfection for people, watch this some who would reject his sacrifice and we get mad cuz they ain't say thank you <laughs> if you need to thank you who was it for let me get behind my table I got to finish this next service. So I want you all to take down these notes here and then I'll close. Any angry letters, please address them to linked up church care of Pastor Joe E. Gregory. <laughs> he will read and respond accordingly. In Jesus' name. I want us to think progression, not perfection. I know we have a lot of people who are all or nothing mentalities. If I'm not going to do it right, then I'm not going to do it at all. If I don't have these areas together, I'm not even going to try. Why try? No. Change your mindset. Think progression, not perfection. I wish I could stand before you as a perfect man. I'm only 99% there. (laughs) I wish I could say that I don't have flaws. I wish I could say I don't have weaknesses. I wish I could say I don't ask God, can someone else do what I'm doing? I wish I could say that. But I can't. Have to take it one day at a time. Because that's the only day we live in. Someone asked me, how long have you been married? One day at a time. (laughs) Worst mistake of my life to think that I knew my wife. No. No, I don't. (laughs) One day at a time. Because if you start counting past success, you cancel out future victory. So I had to look at today. I've, I've been married to my wife today and today we are newlyweds. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and what I do, I can't talk about the years that I've been in. Man, let me tell you something. Let me let me let, let me learn you something about ministry real quick in my short time. And y'all fill in the blanks. Every day we have to depend on the Lord. On your job, in your industry, there, there's so much changing. But you have to depend on God. So when you think progression, not perfection, there, there are four things that you can also think about with that. And the first one is God desires to show you his goodness. So every morning, don't wake up counting how many times you sin the day before. Lord, please forgive me as sins knowingly and unknowingly. Father God, I come to you standing in the humble need of prayer. Just stop, stop. Stop. Just stop it. Stop it. And focus on God. Today is a new day. And he has more scripture talking about his mercies are new every morning than how sin your bad your sin was yesterday. When you focus on his goodness, it's something about that that causes you to begin to think about your behavior, I'll tell myself, as a husband today, if you all don't mind, um, I found that I'm 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 a tad bit particular. Okay, just a tad. Like I want things a certain way, and so you know how you have your 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 um, heart set on something. So a few years back, maybe like four, uh, I wanted a tuna fish sandwich just randomly. I just wanted a tuna fish sandwich. I I don't know where it came from. I just wanted a tuna fish sandwich. And so we didn't have what it took in the house to make the tuna fish sandwich, so we went to uh, the grocery store to get the ingredients for a tuna fish sandwich. But y'all know what happens when you go to the grocery store, right? You get everything but the tuna fish sandwich. So me being the uh, health advocate that I am and making sure that we got the soft and not the hard because the hard cookies burn more calories. You want the soft ones that go right down. And... (laughs) We get home, and I still want my tuna fish sandwich. Would y'all believe this tongue-talking preacher up here on this stage had a connect fit over a tuna fish sandwich? <laughs> you mean we don't have the tuna fish for the tuna fish sandwich? That's all we had. We got the cookies. We got everything else. But we don't have the tuna for the tuna fish sandwich. Can you believe? And, and, and mind you... This is the actual conversation that is happening right now. If, if we would have divorced, on the paper it would have said, divorce because of an irreconcilable tuna fish sandwich. I wish I could make this up. I, I can't. This is real life. I'm telling you, this is real life. So after my fit, my wife is sitting down on the sofa. And she looks at me. And she says, I understand you're upset about your tuna fish sandwich. Raise your voice, woman. You're making me feel like I'm the sinner. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would like, we bought all these other groceries, and I will make you anything that you want. And I come get me a kiss. Now, you know, I, I wasn't really mad about tuna fish, <laughs> I was just tired. But when someone is good to you, it kills all that other attitude that you had. And every single moment of every single day, God wants to be good. To you, I don't care if you don't think you deserve his goodness. God wants to be good to you so that when you're looking at your life because it is blessed, you'll realize that, God, I don't deserve any of this. So this is my sign of appreciation back to you. Number two, I want us to recognize, you know, when we're thinking progression, not perfection. Number two, recognize your need for a savior. Ain't it real interesting? I mean, isn't it sorry online people, isn't not really interesting <laughs> that when we have our life quote unquote together, we just don't need God that much? When the account is full because it's payday and Everything seems to be at peace in the marriage. We kind of take our foot off the accelerator, go on a cruise control, pick up a habit here, pick up a habit there. And not too long, we're back in the same situation. Every day, you have to recognize your need, my need for a savior. For further study, look at the children of Israel. When they were in slavery, God, we need you. When they were free, God, forget you. (laughs) And then they went right back into slavery. So if you're you're still dealing with habits that you feel like have crept back up in your life, it's because you just have, have just to make a mental adjustment to you need Jesus. You still need. Jesus. Number three, receive what only God can do in your life. Receive what only God can do in your life. Philippians 4 says uh, Paul was talking to the church at Philippi concerning their giving and receiving. Many of us don't have a problem giving because we can feel good about what we give. Our pride gets checked on when people are trying to give us something. A prideful person won't receive under the guise of, "No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. That's pride. God wants to do things for your life that you can't pay back. But most people won't accept them because they feel the need to pay it back. So that leaves us to number four. Since I can't pay it back, I have to live in appreciation of his finished works. I have to be focused on heaven as our eternal home. But at the same time, I have to be focused on earth. And how can I take as many people to heaven with me? Where everything we do, whether it's our job, whether it's our career, Whatever it is that we do is for the sole purpose of bringing God glory. At the end of service today, as a ministry, we want to give you an opportunity to partner with us at Linked Up Church. There's a tangible presence that you carry that until you're connected with us, On our dream teams. That we are lacking that supply of the spirit here. And God, yes, he's been good. But there's even greater that God has for us. My wife said to me, it would be unfair of God to have our best days behind us. So all that God has done for our ministry. All that God has done for us individually. It would be a shame to think that was all that he'd ever do. But there's more. And the only way we can do that is with your help. In time we talk to people and and, and give them this opportunity. They go back to like Isaiah did. They think, well, I, I still deal with this. I still deal with that. I still deal with this. Just study the disciples and you'll see what they dealt with. Only thing we were called to do is just take one day at a time with the Lord as our guide. But we are not serving for any person. Because when that person changes or that person makes us upset, it's too weak of a reason to hold us. This is for God. At the end of the day, it won't be about what they said, what they did, how they said, how they did. It will only be about God. I just wanted to say thank for all you've done for me. So what everyone's standing on your feet. Our walk with God is not static. Meaning we just don't arrive and that's it. It's a daily progression. So as I was studying this message, I began to think personally, what are my next steps? God, what is the next level of what you've asked for me to do? And I realized there were things that that he asked me that I tried to disqualify myself from. And as I was reading and I just saw the goodness of God, And how even on my worst days, he was still good. I recommitted to God again. Here am I. Send me. So if you're here today. And there's some things the Lord has put on your heart. But you've been giving him reasons as to why you can't do it. Put those reasons to the side and by faith, lift your hands and say, here am I. Send me. Let go of those fears. Let go of that doubt. Let go of whatever is trying to limit your success. Let it go. And be a person that is able to be molded into what God has for you. Hallelujah. I want you all to close your eyes just for a moment. If you're in here today, or if you're watching online, and you've never accepted Jesus, as your Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about that you're not a good person. I believe you're a good person. The fact that you're watching, listening here today, I I believe you're a good person. I'm not talking about that. But you never accepted Jesus as your Lord, meaning his will dominates your will. His ways dominate your ways. Never accepted the free gift of salvation that comes from Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if that's you today inside this auditorium, I want to pray with and for you this morning. The next invitation I have is if you're a person in here That because of choices, you notice that you've kind of strayed a bit. Got caught up into some habits that you once were free from. And every time those habits take place, something on the inside, that something is the Holy Spirit, is talking to you, saying, You know, you're better than that. I've called you to do greater and more. And today, you want to make a public declaration that I'm ready to take that next step and not look back on those bad habits, but walk forward to God and unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. So to repeat the first two invitations, if you're here, and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or you want to be sure that you are born again. I want you to slip up your hands so I can pray with you this morning. By a show of hands. Hallelujah. If you're a person in here and you want to recommit to doing the things of God. You want to forsake those old habits and renew and recommit to your walk with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I desire to pray with you as well. If you slip up your hands so I know who I'm praying for on this morning, just by a show of hands. Hallelujah. There's nothing to be ashamed of in here. If you're a person out there that you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues. The Holy Spirit is that power that enables us to live a godly life. I consider receiving salvation like receiving a new phone. But that new phone is no good without the charger. The Holy Spirit is that charger. So if you're a person in here...